We just knew that we were going to keep playing. Um, that was really the biggest thing. We didn't want to, you know, let that lead dwindle. We wanted to keep the lead, keep that cushion, um, and get ready for tomorrow. So. Triple Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buck Halter. This is the Anti Hot Take Sports Show. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com. Email address is clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number three zeros pod comment spelling. Um, that voice you just heard was one John Collins for for the Atlanta Hawks as they have pushed their winning streak to seven games now. We'll talk about the significance of that in a little bit, but we got to get to some other stuff because we just had Thanksgiving and you know what Thanksgiving means, right? Well, turkey. But aside from that, for the sports world, Thanksgiving also means a ton of football. So with that being said, we just knew that we're going to keep playing. Wrong button. Um, we just knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll rearrange some stuff so everything's all out of whack. But we did have three uh, football games, NFL matchups on Thanksgiving Day started off with the Chicago Bears taking on the Detroit Lions. And listen, I will say this. The Bears came away with the win. Um, they ended up winning that game 16-14. Andy Dalton filled in for the injured Justin, uh, Justin Fields. Jared Goff did start after it was uncertain whether or not he would. It was almost going to be Andy Dalton versus Tim Boyle. And my God, thank goodness we didn't have to see that. However, what we got wasn't much better. The Lions ended up falling to 0-10-1. Like I said, the Bears are 4-7 now. They may have saved Matt Nagy's, head coach Matt Nagy's job. Here's the thing about this. What I think it really did, while it may have saved his job, what it really did was it gave breath and lifeline to the truthers. And by that, if you've been around, it's really been a letdown for most fans because most fans wanted him gone. And I'm not sure that it would have happened anyway because they came out, ownership came out and had to refute a report that uh, Nagy would be fired after the Thanksgiving Day game and he'd been informed of this. My issues with that were, were multifold. Um, for one, whether or not he was being told was, was kind of, or whether or not he was going to be fired after the game was kind of uh, as a footnote, because telling him that he was going to be fired before that was what really put me off. That just didn't seem right. Now, I will say that they came out and they kind of, you know, backtracked, doubled down on told him he wasn't going to be fired. George McCaskey went and talked to the players, told them he wasn't going to be fired. I feel like that was a bit odd because that's not the first time that that rumor has been around that he was going to be done for. Um, and... There's also been reports that he's lost a lot of the locker room. They've come out and tried to refute all of those things, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And this is not necessarily an organization that's been loose with information. So when stuff like this does come out, you start to wonder, you know, how much validity there is to it. Um, Again, for the truthers, though, you had Andy Dalton come in, and I guess they feel like he, he lit it up. He threw 317 yards, took him 39 pass attempts, 24 completions, a touchdown and an interception. Um... And you just saw him reading a defense, getting the ball out quickly, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to act like he didn't have some good possessions. And I actually tweeted out, again, follow me on Twitter, at Josh G. Buck, that if there's one thing that I want Justin Fields to take away from watching Andy Dalton play, it's his ability to get the ball out quick, right? I'm not saying you're going to be able to read the defense, right, all the time. That takes some time and some, some experience and go through, right? You have to actually have done it to know it a lot of the times. But knowing where your hot reads are, Right. Start off with identifying that blitz. Is that an extra rusher coming? Where's my hot man at? Because we've seen that a few times where Fields gotten lit up because he hasn't gotten rid of the ball when there's an obvious blitz on. Now, 
That being said, anybody that came away from this game feeling as though this was proof positive that Andy Dalton should have been the start of the entire season, not only didn't watch Justin Fields do what he did against Detroit a few weeks ago, but also is completely um, clueless as to what Andy Dalton's career was before he came to Chicago. Okay, let's not act like he didn't take that Dallas team and become completely mediocre with a much better supporting cast. Let's not act like he didn't flame out in, in Cincinnati. I get it. Andy Dalton is a veteran, and he has a presence about him, especially when he goes under center and comes to the line that Justin Fields does not yet have. But I also will tell you that you're not going anywhere with Andy freaking Dalton. Stop it with that we'd be in the playoff hunt. The season would look vastly different. I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm also sick of hearing, of well, Matt Nagy was right. You know, this just kind of proves that Matt Nagy was right, that Justin Fields wasn't ready, and Andy Dalton gave the team the best chance to win. If Justin Fields is not ready, whose fault is that? Who's the one coaching him up? This gets me. This has been such a topic that's bothered me so much because there's been so much water carrying going on for this crap organization. They're running it like crap. They're running it like a mom and pop store in Market 3. I don't care that you like the dude. I don't care that he's a good guy to people in the building. That's important, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't trump not winning football games. Beating the Detroit Lions, this is his seventh win in eight tries, right? First of all, you didn't sweep him, so that right there should be a blemish. But then on top of that, this is a good chance. This is about a fifth of his wins. Comes against the Detroit freaking Lions. Man, not as bad as Detroit. For fans, that's an okay way to get through a season. You can get through a season like that. Trust me, I know. <laughs> as a Bears fan, you will ride that wave. But you can't do that as a coach. You shouldn't do that as a coach in the front office and an organization. This is trash. To come out and say that he's not going to be fired after this game, why would you even do that? For what? You didn't jump out on it when it first came out. Now you got people trying to, he's coming out diffusing it, saying that he laughed at a report, saying that uh, he had canceled meetings following something. The the uh, Hub Arkish had to come out. They're coming at Hub Arkish's reports now. Like, dude. And if you if you're in Chicago, you know Hub is a guy that I don't want to say he carries water, but I would say is a guy that most people would say has has softened his stances a lot of the times when uh, when addressing the Bears. There's there's nothing left, and the big conversation about it has been the perception outside. And at this point, how could you watch this and think it's anything other than a clown show? The one saving grace, and I'm I'm dead ass right now. It's one at this point. It's Justin Fields, and that's because they haven't broken him to the point where teams might be afraid to step away or to step up to it. But that's it. There's nothing to be proud. Like David Montgomery's cool. You're gonna pay him another contract? Are I'm not. Are you investing in him with so many other holes on this team? Khalil Herbert's nice. What did he do yesterday? Did he get? He didn't really get much of a chance, did he? What are we doing? David Montgomery had 46 yards on 17 carries yesterday against the Detroit Lions, who knew he was going to run, so they were trying to force it to be that way. But, like, Darnell Mooney had one catch. I'm sorry, one carry. I apologize. He had five catches. He had a great game. Five catches, 123 yards. Darnell Mooney had a great game. A lot of screens. A lot of, a lot of run as a catch. I just, I, there's not a lot here. So to say, Andy Dalton, what a girl was the best chance to win. To what? To win what? These are the same people who were happy they backed into the playoffs last year. That's good for the player resume, right? I guess for a talking point in the locker room. But in the results-oriented business, which I guess that, ah, ah, ah. 
We got to stop accept, accepting this mediocrity and that that after that post game happiness from them was so sickening to me because they're so far off from being a good team. Sixteen to fourteen against the Lions. Terrible, absolutely terrible. <laughs> the Lions lying their way though into that o ten and one record, and now there's questions about Dan. Uh, Dan Campbell's security as a head coach, and not because the team doesn't play for him. They definitely play for him. But there were several instances of clock management issues and not knowing the rules, uh, particularly on the double timeout that ended up costing them late in the game. And so, again, we're kind of full circle with Dan Campbell. I've just Jared Goff actually had a solid game, 21-25, 171 yards, two touchdowns. That's another problem, Bears defense. We always missing Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, um, Eddie Jackson. Was Eddie Jackson back yesterday? I, I wouldn't know. It didn't matter. It didn't make a difference. <sighs> disappointing. So, so disappointing. Ah, anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, Campbell, people like him. He seems like a guy that gets the players to fight for him. But there are some definite coaching questions, some schematic issues that you have to wonder about. Now, that can all be done away with with proper coordinators on both sides. And then maybe an assistant to help him learn some of that stuff. Um, because it's only it's his first full time head coaching job. He had the interim job down in Miami, but I think with he he filled in with the Saints. Hmm. Hmm. Did he, did he do did he do a game when when Peyton didn't attend? Anyway, I'm getting off course. Um, but the schematic stuff will derail you fast, and for a Lions organization that has been long searching for any type of relevance of uh, uh to be good, then. Yeah, th- this would be a question already. You feel for him because he does seem like a guy who's invested heavily. Um, that can also come back to bite you because it can blind you to making some of the more pragmatic decisions. I'm not sure that's happened with him yet. I don't follow the lines close enough to know that. But I do know that what we saw yesterday was a clear indication that it's not just that they don't have the talent. There are some clear issues. Um, head coach was, and again, it's his first go around, so we'll see what they do. But an 0-10-1, there's a good chance he doesn't get another shot to do it again. And if he goes 0-10-1, um, he might not get another sh- shot to be a head coach. Just because it it it, it tends to be that, that way. So, yeah, Detroit. That uh, didn't uh, it didn't go the way you wanted. 10 penalties, 67 yards. Now, I will say this. Their 10 penalties for 67 yards were only 17 yards more than the Bears' five penalties for 50 yards. So while we're, while we're ragging on Dan Campbell's part, more just the time of the uh, the the when they happen than anything. But Jared Goff did have a fumble, by the way. I just I it just was ah, oh oh man frustrating because they won and I'm happy that they won. The Bears, you, I want the Bears to be successful and to win. However, I know that this is a dead end, and we're just spinning wheels in the mud. That's all. That's all. That's that's the only thing that we're doing here. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What are we doing? If you're not improving, you're 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 and you're stagnating. You're getting worse because everybody else is improving. You're not getting better. There's no improvement here. We're hoping for Andy Dalton. I, mm, let me move on. Let me move on before I run out of time because I got I'm on limited time here. The Raiders are still an enigma. I'm not sure what to make of them after they went on and took out the Dallas Cowboys. Um, now I need I need this off bat. It needs to be said that the Cowboys were without uh, CD Lamb and Amari Cooper for the second game in a row, but. That doesn't excuse some of the stuff that we saw because they were moving the ball, as you see, 33 points on the Raiders. Dak Prescott had a few instances of missing, just flat out missing. And the Cowboys defense has severely fallen off of a cliff uh, of late here. And so the question really is, it's twofold. What do we make of Las Vegas? 
And what do we make of Dallas? It's simple, but it's twofold. Um, starting off with Vegas, right? I just told you that they're, they're they're kind of an enigma. They had lost their previous three games after starting the season five and two. So, and this took overtime, and it was depleted. So you want to say, hey man, they're still not really a good team because they they allowed this Dallas team to put up so many points, and they needed overtime to beat them without their top two weapons. However, despite all the turmoil that they've gone, the Raiders are now six and five, still very much alive in the playoff race in the in the AFC, and just dropped thirty six points on the Cowboys defense. That again, not great, but it hasn't been this bad. I, I mean, you know. Let me check. Let me double double check my my work here. Yeah, haven't they haven't? This is only the third time this season they've given up thirty plus points. The most they've given up all season. And I I I'm not I so they haven't been bad, but they haven't played great teams either. That's been a lot of the argument against them. Um, Dallas has now lost two in a row, and three of their last four. So you you know there are questions about both of these teams. I would say this. A healthy Dallas is dangerous, but they still are prone to shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, Dak is my guy. I'm a big Dak fan. Um, if you followed during the entire offseason, you would know that I was one of the guys hoping the Bears would be able to poach him somehow, some way. Didn't happen. I was hoping for it. Didn't happen. Um, Derek Carr. Fan Derek Carr, right? But they're like opposites of the same guy. Dak will almost risk it to the point where you're like, oh, crap. he used to be a check down guy, but he will almost risk it to the point where you're like, oh, what are you doing? That was a silly throw. You don't know what's going on. Derek Carr will almost be too conservative to the opposite end where you're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Try to win the game. Both of these teams, though, have a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot, and the biggest problem is that a lot of it comes from the quarterback position. I'm not saying they, they aren't being let down. Drops happen. Defensive lapses happen. Penalties. All that kind of thing. All those kind of things happen. What you can't do, especially as a quarterback, is compound the issue. And I think we see that far too often from both these guys beat a turnover. Uh, Derek Carr did not throw an interception, and Dak did not either, so that wasn't the issue. But just some of the the decision-making, the Cowboys stopped running the ball. They only had 20 carries all game. Uh, Zeke had 925 and a touchdown. Tony Paul, 1036, no touchdowns. Like, one of the carries was Dak. What are we doing? What are are we doing? What are we doing? You guys have... Two great running backs, at least one healthy, and one who's still really good close to the goal line that you ran 19 times between the two in a game that you clearly were in the entire time. What are we, what are we doing? So this is my question with Kellen Moore. As a guy who's been, he's young, that's been the knock against him, but he's been gaining some buzz as a potential head coach and replacement for one Mag Nagy should he be fired. That kind of stuff right there, your offense is, is probably a little bit more creative than, than Matt Nagy, albeit with much better horses in the stable. But we've seen these tendencies to grow away from the run already. We don't need more of that. That's my biggest, that's my, that, that, and I'm not sure how much his leadership has been tested either. So we'll get, we, we got that as well. Uh, as for, for the Raiders, Rich Bisaccia just keeps these guys competitive, man. He might have to get a serious look as the head coach next year because these guys are competitive with a team that has lost its top two draft picks from a, a class ago. Right? Has not gotten them as much from Clevin Farrell as they probably would have liked. Right? Like, they've gone through a lot of change. Had to fire their head coach for some, or the head coach resigned for some emails from, from a decade ago. Like, they've gone through a lot and they're still kicking. That They're an enigma. You just don't know what to do with them. Same thing. Well, these teams are really two sides of the same coin AFC, NFC version of enigmas. The. 
Bills look good. 36-3 win over the Saints. But the Saints, 31-6, sorry, 31-6 win over the Saints. But the Saints were without Jameis Winston out for the season, Alvin Kamara, and Mark Ingram in the backfield, and haven't had Michael Thomas, won't have Michael Thomas for the rest of this year either. I find it hard to, to give the Bills, who are now 7-4, and four, much props when we know that they are going, they're doing this against not a great team. Like, I, 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 I didn't want to say it that way because the Saints aren't bad when they're healthy, but they're just not healthy. So it's not, I can't, you know, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. Just get healthy. Um, what we have seen from them is Sean Payton's ability to, to mix and match in pieces, but I think everybody falls to the wayside. So I'm not even really going to, it's hard to assess this from them when they're backups at running back, quarterback, receiver. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's hard to do. For the Bills, though, they're at an interesting point in their season because they haven't done well against good teams. And they've also been very one-dimensional. And I've been saying this for a couple of years now that you have to have some sort of a balance in your offensive tech. Otherwise, teams are going to hone in when they can. They've had wins over the Dolphins, Jets, and now the Saints with losses to the Colts and Jaguars. Uh, over the last five weeks. That being said, they had a nice cushion four and two to start the year. They're seven and four now, but things do get a little interesting with these next three games, four games, because you got the Patriots who are on a, a roll themselves and play really good defense. And that game is at home though, so maybe the Bills could be able to come on top of that. But then you got the Bucks, Panthers with Cam Newton, who've not quite hit their stride, but seem to be a little bit revitalized with a little bit more energy. We'll see how long that lasts, because energy only gets you so far without results. And then they face the Patriots again, so it's really those three out of those four games, the two Patriots games and the Bucks game, that, should, that can really tell you where the Bills are um, as they get set to go to the Bucks, because they're going to make the playoffs. They're going. But I think we got to stop short of calling them a great team, because I just don't think that they're that yet. The Saints ran out of blessings. Like I said, man, they've been doing... Sean Payne's been doing... Yeoman's work with this group with losing players left and right and things like that, but they're just out of it. Like it just wasn't enough. And um, in the game, uh, Josh Allen, 23, 28, 264 touchdowns, two picks though, right? They had uh, 70 yards rushing on 24 attempts between their two backs, Matt Breed and Devin Singletary. Allen had eight carries for 43 yards. You got to get better rushing production and more consistent production out of the running backs. You have to, you just have to Uh, for the saints, Trevor Simeon, 17-29, 17-29, excuse me, 163, touchdown pick. Tony Jones led the way with 16 carries, 27 yards. The Bills are not a great rushing defense. So, they also lost the Bills, did Tredavious White to a torn ACL. Hope he gets a full recovery. Um, but, so I, I the, the Saints were putting up, but it's Trevor Simeon. It's Tony Jones. Who's their leading receiver? Marquez Callaway? Who led the way of receiving in this game for the Saints? Little Jordan Humphrey. With 47 yards. Ty Montgomery led the way with catches with five. They're not doing, they're not playing with the, uh, even a half a deck. So I just, I hold out on saying anything about the Bills. I will say this Brian Dable is right there with Josh Allen in that he got some good stuff. Or I'm sorry, with, with, uh, with, uh, Kellen Moore in Dallas. Brian Dable is with, you know, some of the one dimensional nature of the offense. There's been some stagnation with Josh Allen this year, and maybe that's because they aren't balanced on offense, but these are questions that I would want to address before I hired either one of these guys as my, as my head coach. We've heard from, uh, from national media that Dable is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I would probably go, my order would probably be some order of Dable, 
Um, Greg Roman out in Baltimore, and then and that, that's probably my top two. Honestly, uh, I don't, I don't. Kellen Moore is nice, but he's got a he's got stable of of weapons, and he got a good quarterback to start with. Need a guy who's shown me that he can build up a quarterback, and I believe that they will put the pieces around. They they aren't they aren't despite popular belief. I don't think the Bears will be afraid to put pieces around and spend the money to do that. Just think that they got to get the guys in there to do that for. And I think that if you're gonna give give me a short list now, uh, Dable and uh, Roman have to be at the top. And I do want Joe Ortiz as the front office guy if they get rid of Ryan Pace too. But that I'm backtracking and going back to the Bears. We're done with that. We're gonna wrap up on the Bears rival for the for this section. Aaron Rodgers was in the chat showing feet. <laughs> in a, a continuation of the ongoing Aaron Rodgers COVID-19 saga, uh, he pulled his feet out during a press conference to show that he did not have what I, I forget which publication had reported to be COVID toes, lesions on his feet as complications due to COVID. Um, this was Rodgers being his typical salty self, trying to show people up. Um, but as was pointed out by many a talk show, he called it COVID injury. And so while I won't say they should have made the leap to having lesions and stuff like that, and calling it COVID toe, I will say that it did, he as as has been his his mo this during this entire saga. He hasn't necessarily been the clearest person to read on the entire thing. So it is what it is. It happened and it happened. But Rogers was in the chat showing feet. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen nobody show their foot in their press conference, uh, and then to do it with like as act like they're the ones who are proving you to be the idiot. Like it was just it was just all around weird. But I will say this, he is showing to be a very weird dude. I'm just going to leave it at that. He is a weird guy. Anyway, moving right along. Chicago Bulls had a nice bounce back, man. They got a big, big win over the uh, Orlando Magic on Friday, taking them down 123-88 after they had lost two games in a row. Um, Really in heartbreaking fashion, just because... The, one of them was was to the lowly Houston Rockets, who jumped out on the Bulls and really didn't give them a chance to um, get back into the game, which you're not supposed to. The Bulls now 13-7, and seven, sitting in the second place in the Eastern Conference. But the important thing about this was they seem to be a team that is learning on the fly. They're getting healthy. Kobe White had 20 points last night. Vucevic had a good game. Um, Zach and DeMar had played okay, but didn't have the monster performances that we were seeing earlier on. And that's a good thing, right? Um, you need... Kobe White, you're going to need Kobe White going forward. And so I think that that to me was the biggest development, obviously, coming out of that one. Uh, but also, like I said, that they're just learning to not get complacent. Um, I think their early success has kind of jaded us to the fact that they're not, they haven't been together for more than these couple of months here. And we, these type of things t- tend to take time. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with what I'm seeing, happy with that bounce back, so happy that they were able to get back into the W column. Again, those two back-to-back losses to the Pacers and the Rockets. You understand the Pacers coming off of that road trip, um, a big win over the Knicks on the return home. The Rockets one, though, that hurt. They lost Jalen Green early, and the Bulls just looked listless. That was not the case against Orlando, who uh, had Wendell Carter trying to prove a point as he had a, a solid outing with, uh, I think, 20 and 10, if I'm not mistaken, 26 points and 10 boards. Good game for Wendell. Side note, before we move on, because they had um, got to keep going, got a little time. Wendell would have been better for this team to me than Nikola Vucevic, and I'm willing to be wrong about that as the season progresses. But for what we have now, what the Bulls have now, at this point, uh, I would say that Wendell would be better because he'd protect the rim. 
You could you could possibly still have retained Daniel Tice. I gotta check the numbers on that. Uh, and you would have a nice front court. I'm not saying the Vooch is bad, but there are some issues that concern me when they get to the playoffs against those good teams, against the the the, the Milwaukee Bucks that are when they're healthy, against the healthy 76ers team that that we'll talk about in a second. Um, those things concern me. We'll see what the Knicks do. Uh, the Bulls are taking on the Bulls set to host Miami. This is going to be another tough game, another tough on competition. Jimmy Butler's going to be trying to prove a point there as well. These are the type of games that you you have to win in a row. Like you need the you need to. This is a good consecutive term because you you got up for Orlando after not getting up for Houston. Can you maintain that for a team that's far superior in to either one of those? Because Orlando's a step up over Houston. Miami's another world. Can you maintain that? And that's what I'm looking to see. I will say, like I said, I think Wendell would have been better for these Bulls. I will also say that I'm not so sure about Javante Green starting and playing extended minutes because I think that a lot of why he's successful is off of energy and bringing that shock to the system type of playing style. When he's in there, there are, he's prone to lapses. Um, he had, a, I want to say, three bad passes, just trying to do a little bit too much um, during the game. Obviously, it was inconsequential, but against a tougher opponent, they will matter. And so that's just my one thought that I've had that I would maybe change. Maybe I start Caruso um, alongside Ball, Levine, and DeRozan, and Vooch. Um, then you got Kobe, DeSumo. Uh, you could have uh, uh, Javante and Derek coming off the bench as well. So it's a small bench, Tony Bradley. That might be how I'd rotate it. Um, you do lose some playmaking ability, though, with Caruso going to the starting lineup. Uh, Kobe could do it, but that it's really that unit would be about Kobe being the the offensive focal point, and then hustle guys, energy guys with the Sumu, uh, uh, Green and Jones around the big in Bradley. That would be how I would flex it out because I just don't like Javante Green starting right now. It just has not been great to me, um, just because, like I said, there's been too many lapses. The Atlanta Hawks extended their win streak to seven games as John Morant sprained his knee early in the first quarter of that game. And that was the clip that you heard of John Collins talking about the Hawks and what they did um, going on the road in Memphis. And and honestly, it's it's more to talk about, but I, let's just hear that whole clip from John Collins and what he had to say. Road, seven wins in a row now. What was the key to getting this one done tonight here? Uh, we came out with effort, effort and intensity, um, aggression. We understood playing at home in Memphis. There's going to be a physical game, and we we want to we know we stepped up to the challenge tonight. Solid 48 minutes, but let's focus on that third quarter for a second. You outscored them 43 to 18. You shot 71 percent from the field as a team. I mean, what got into you guys that quarter? We just knew that we we're going to keep playing. Um, that was really the biggest thing. We didn't want to, you know, let that lead dwindle. We wanted to keep the lead, keep that cushion, um, and get ready for tomorrow. So, uh, big time job by all of us. Big time rebounding job by CC tonight. Beast on the boards, beast in the paint. Uh, you know, those performances help us. I mean, as a team, it just feels like you guys are, like, sharing the ball, moving off the ball well. It just seems fun, free flow. And do you feel that right now? Always. You know, I always say the ball carries energy and gives off energy, especially when we're sharing it. Guys are making shots. Uh, it's lovely. That's what we need more as a team tonight. Uh, we did that. Came here, got another road win. Uh, got to take care of business tomorrow. Yeah, speaking of tomorrow, you got about 20 hours to reset now before you're taking on the Knicks. Last time you saw them was in the postseason. Yeah. Pretty good rivalry there. How can you carry this over to tomorrow? Uh, get some of that home energy, you know, that good home love. Um, get ready for tomorrow. Get some, Try to get some rest and, uh, you know, prepare. Re- recover again. Thanksgiving. Get some home cooking. Love it. Yes, ma'am. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks, JC. 
There you have uh, Hawks forward John Collins talking about what the team did come out. And again, the loss of John Morant early changed the entire complexion of the game, but the Hawks did not get complacent. And you heard him refer to that third quarter in which the Hawks scored 43 points to the uh, Grizzlies' 18. Here's the thing about that, man. That was led by Clint Capella and Trey Young. Clint Capella had 12 points and five boards in that frame. And uh, Clay Capella... Clay Capella had 12 points and 7 boards, excuse me, and Trey Young had 15 points and 5 assists. This team has found its stride, and I'm not personally believe in coincidences, per se, because, you know, they, it, I'm just going to say it. DeAndre Hunter went down, and they have kind of figured out their rotation a little bit better. And I'm not, it's not to say that Hunter was making them worse, but I think they had a hard time following, finding a rhythm with le- legit 10 guys who could all be playing and all deserve to play well or deserve to play uh, uh, ample amount of time. Kevin Herter has been better in the starting lineup. He didn't have a great game uh, on Friday, but he's been better of late. Um, Cam Reddish has seemed to find his stride over the past few games as he's gotten more consistent playing time. The the bench of Gallinari and Lou Williams, you know what they're going to do when things matter the most, so you're not even concerned about them. I'm, I just like what he said. And Clint Capella wrote about that for my studs and does in, in uh, Soaring Down South. Clint Capella has just been doing a little bit of everything. I, John Collins was doing it earlier on uh, during this run. Clint Capella's been kicking it up a notch lately. 23 points, 17 boards uh, against the Grizz. Against Steven Adams, who has just looked like a shell of his former self. I don't know if it's because of the playing style of the Grizzlies, if if he's slowing down or what it was, but he just did not look good. And Capella and John Collins combined to go 19 of 25 from the floor. Ugh. So... As I wrote, that led to the slower games from uh, Bogdanovich and Herter, but so be it when you're dominating like that in the paint. Um, they take on these Knicks who are scrappy, coming off a loss of their own, tough loss of their own, and we're going to look to prove a point. So just like the Bulls, you got up for that weaker team and, and made sure that you made your point. Can you do it for a tougher team? Will you do it against a tougher team that's going to be coming in a little salty and uh, wanting to do something to you after uh, you know they've gone through their own trials and tribulations? So we'll see how that goes there. Um, looking forward to both of those games on Saturday night. The Suns, Phoenix Suns, have won their fifteenth game in a row. I, they they trounced the New York Knicks yet on on Friday, so that's why the Knicks are gonna be a little bit pissed off on the way in. Um, just say this, man. Devin Booker's been a man on fire. I'm really happy to see that they didn't get uh, complacent and fall by the wayside after their success. Um, Miami lost to Minnesota. That's right. So they're gonna be salty. I forgot about that. Uh, but it's really good to see that they've, 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 like I said, just kind of taken this season by force. Whereas the Lakers have kind of, we'll talk about that in a second. I always do that. They get excited, but 16 and three second in the West behind the Golden State Warriors who are just scorching earth right now. Um, but you just like to see this from the Phoenix. Like I said, who, like I said, could have easily been, uh, just falling up, falling by the wayside after their success last year. They've seen to be improved and have really picked up over the past few games, going 120 plus points uh, in two of the last four with 118 uh, against the Knicks. So, just keep an eye out on them in the West. A long way to go still, but they appear to be the Warriors, not rival equal. That's going to be an interesting series to watch all season, and hopefully they find a way to meet up in the postseason because we deserve we deserve to get a top matchup. We've had years of not getting it. We deserve a top matchup. Please, please, please. <laughs> the Lakers did fall to the Kings uh, in, in double overtime? Overtime? The Los Angeles Lakers, man. I Listen, let me pull them up real quick as I, as I cycle through the, the ridiculousness that's going on there. 
I'll tell you this. Anthony Davis was a miserable one for 12 on jump shots. And this is the thing that we've talked about with, with, with Davis for a while now. As a big man, he does not seem to be prone to, or he does not seem to want to go into the paint very often. The Lakers are now two and five in their last seven games. Um, this one was triple overtime. Excuse me. That's all. I didn't sound right saying double. Triple overtime allowed 141 points to the Sacramento Kings. I don't want you to think that this was to like some juggernaut powerhouse offense, okay? Or to some team that's just been out here tearing ish up, okay? This is the Sacramento Kings that have been bad for, for decades, honestly. Like they, they just fired Luke Walton not that long ago. Um, they are uh, pristine. Right, shining eight and twelve on the season. Okay, the Sacramento Kings, and they are, as I get my sorting done, averaging hundred and ten points per game, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that was a large part due to what they did yesterday, because before that hundred and ten points, or before that hundred and forty something they just put up yesterday, were averaging hundred and nine. So they averaged, they raised it up a point. Okay, whatever. I'll be it. Hundred forty one points to the Kings. One forty one. Davis one for twelve from on jumpers, and then LeBron post game taking blame. Look, man, I picked the Lakers to be my favorite out of the West. They are not making that pick look good, um, and I'm not sure what they're going to do about it because at this point, you're not moving Russell Westbrook because nobody's taking that deal. That's my boy, but it's not working out. Frank Vogel's got to go, and I think that should have been the case anyway, especially once you got this good of a team. But he led them to a championship, so how do you fire that guy? Well, we're about to find out because it don't look like it's going to work out for them this year. Uh, they can always turn it around, but damn it if it doesn't look like it's an uphill climb going forward. Finally, Ben Simmons' financial issues could lead to a return to the 76ers. Reportedly, he's running out of money. It's weird. Finding, uh, having, we're not playing, not doing your job, and having a team fine you for not doing that job would seem to deplete your resources pretty quickly. He's also been a guy who's been not shy about phot- photographing himself out. I don't know his spending habits. I don't really care. But this makes sense, and it's still wild to read because as a multimillionaire, you would think that he would be okay, and having taken this stance on of his own volition, you would think that he would have planned for this. But alas, here we are. We'll see how long until he actually does return and get onto the floor with the Sixers, but this saga is, is just taking so many twists and turns, and it just looks ridiculous. He has reportedly been ready to return, so, I mean, when he does get back, I would expect that he comes on a tear and they the Sixers go off a little bit here because they're going to be revitalized by it, but I'm not sure if there's any friends still made because Embiid said what he said and did what he did. Um, they have slipped. Philly has down to, where are they? Ninth in the Eastern Conference. It's all jumbled up, though. It's only four games separating the, the top and the bottom of the playoff standing, so it's not a lot. It's a lot of separation. Um, but yeah, man, I, they, they, it's just not done. They just it, It's this saga that, this is the story that never ends. What was the song that never ends? is the song that doesn't end. That's Lamb Shop. But it's also the story that never ends with the big flying dog. Okay? This is bad. This is a bad situation that's not going to get better when he returns. I mean, maybe they, maybe it plays better, but you're just you're just heading for another situation like this next year. Figure it out. Solve it, Daryl Morey, and, and be done. But damn it, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted of hearing about financial issues? Oh. <sighs> With a generous... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm leaving it alone. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, ClockerSports.com, and the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. And of course, you can always follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number 30spod. Until the very next time... Oh, whoa, before I do that, 
Be sure to follow. Check out the stuff on Last Word of Pro Football, Pippin' and Easy, and of course, SoaringDownSouth.com. Now, until the very next time. Uh, we came out with effort, effort, and intensity, um, aggression. 